Well, good evening, Westover. Whether you're joining us in the room or you're here online, we're glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Danae, and I'm the women's ministry pastor here at Westover. And for those that don't know me, I am married to Pastor Jonathan, and I am Pastor Jim's daughter. And tonight, I'm just honored that I get the opportunity to be here. Now, we're going to be continuing the series that we've been in called Fast Forward. And in the month of January, we are focusing on and giving attention to talk about prayer and fasting. You know, at the very beginning of the year, we spend a lot of time expecting change. We want change. We think change is coming. And really, change is all around us. We experience change in all parts of our life. You know, with New New Year's resolutions, we want change. We're wanting to change our habits and our practices. We deal with daylight savings where we change our clock back and forward different times of the year. We have weather changes that we experience, especially here in Texas. Um, Did you know that the National Change Your Password Day is February 1st every year? And yes, I know, they have a day. And then we also have just technology changes that we experience. You might have the latest and the greatest device at this point, but give it about six months and it's going to be obsolete because there's change all around us. You know, and change is sometimes difficult and it's hard at the beginning to change. It's really messy in the middle of it. And at the end, it gets a little better. But I think there are two things that create desire in us to change. And that's being fed up or feeling stuck. Being fed up or feeling stuck. Have you ever just been fed up with where you're at in your career or your job? Or maybe you just feel stuck. Maybe with the communication patterns that you have with your kids or your teens. If that's where you're at tonight, I want to tell you there's hope. There's hope because our God is a God of change. And he wants to do something new in each one of us. And he wants and desires to see change in our life. And so tonight we're going to talk about it's time to change. It's time to change. And as we're talking about change, I want to talk about and spend some time in the book of Ezra. So if, if you have your Bible app or you have your Westover app, feel free to open it up. We're going to be spending some time in the book of Ezra. Because you see, Ezra was a man of God that looked at the situation around him, looked at his circumstance, and he wanted change. He said, God, this is not what I'm supposed to be. This is not where the nation of Israel is supposed to be. You desire something else for us. Something else is intended. And he wanted change to happen in his circumstance. And we're going to be in the book of Ezra chapter 8 tonight. And while you turn there, let me just set the stage of what's actually happening at this point in history in the Old Testament. You see, the nation of Israel, they had been in Israel. They had been in Jerusalem for quite some time at this point. And then at some point, they turned away from God and they stopped following God and they stopped uh, honoring him and who they were and they stopped worshiping him. And instead, they picked up the worship practices and the cultural influences around them. And as a result, God took his hand of protection and his hand of blessing off of the nation. And an outside nation, Babylon, came in, invaded the country, invaded the, the land, conquered it, took the people and he took them back to Babylon and they became slaves in Babylon. So now the nation of Israel is no longer in the promised land that God gave them. Instead, they're in captivity and they're in bondage. And at this point in the story in Ezra, they've been in bondage for 70 years. 
For 70 years, they have been stuck. They have, they are where they're not supposed to be. That's never where God wanted them. And then comes along a man named Ezra, and he's a priest for the people of Israel. And he looks at the circumstance, and he looks at the situation around him, and he says, you know what? This is not what God wanted, and I want different for us. I want something better. I want us to return home to the land that God promised us. So he went to the king of Babylon, and he asked, and he pleaded with the king to let them return home. And God moved on the heart of the king, and he released the people, and he released the Israelites to let them return home. So Ezra gathers all of the people together that are going to return, and he takes them together, and he says, okay, we're going back to the promised land. We're going back to Jerusalem. But when we get there, what we're doing is one thing. The first thing that we do before anything else is we are building the house of God. Before we build our houses, before we build our homes and our businesses, before we put up the city walls around us for protection, the absolute first thing that's going to happen is we're building the house of God. Because see, Ezra understood that in order for them to have change, in order for them to be able to be successful in what God purposed for the nation of Israel, they had to put God first. They couldn't return back and pick up the habits that had got them out of Israel in the first place. And they couldn't take back the habits and the practices that they had been surrounded by for 70 years in Babylon. They had to put God first. Because see, Ezra understood a strong spiritual foundation builds lasting change. A strong spiritual foundation builds lasting change. And he knew change is what they needed. So if you will turn to Ezra 8, verses 21 through 23 is where we'll spend our time tonight. And it starts in verse 21. And this is where Ezra is calling the people together and they're about to leave to go to Jerusalem. And he says, There by the Ahava Canal, I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but great is his anger against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. The first thing they did before they left on their journey is they fasted and prayed. And so this week and throughout the month of January, we're talking about fasting and prayer. And let me just give you a quick definition of what fasting is. In its most basic concept, fasting is when I give up my wants, my desires, my personal preferences, and I say, Lord, I put those aside because I seek after you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have to say. You have something that I need to hear. It's a way that we silence the background noise and the distractions that are around us so that we can hear God. It really means that I give up what I want to get what I really need. It's not about what I want, God. It's about the fact that I need you and I need to hear from you. And so tonight, I want to to give us three benefits for fasting. The first one is that fasting changes us. Fasting changes us. In verse 21, it says, There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before our God. See, Ezra understood 
that in order for change to happen, they had to change their attitude first. Their attitude had to change. They could not go back into the promised land. They could not go back into Jerusalem with the same attitudes they had before. That's what got them in trouble in the first place. And they knew for a change to occur and for them to be successful, they had to have an attitude change. Have you ever heard the saying that a bad attitude is like a flat tire? You're never going to get anywhere unless you change it. That's just true about life. Have you ever had an attitude flat tire? Where you're trying to go along in life and you're trying to advance and you're trying to, to do what God has called you to, but your attitude keeps you in one place. You never advance. It's constantly dragging you down. It's slowing you down and you're not able to move forward. You see, there are attitudes that keep us emotionally and spiritually stuck. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's being self-consumed where we want it all to be about us and our preferences and our desires. Or maybe it's anger or just our temperament. But our attitudes separate us from God. For those that don't know, I'm a mom to a six and an eight-year-old. And for every mom that is here or any parent that is here, you understand that when you have children, you deal with attitudes on a daily basis daily basis. And you don't know if it's a good one or if a bad one, but you're going to experience something and you're not really sure how they're going to wake up. So you're just kind of waiting to see what type of person you're going to have in the morning. And I'm navigating that on a daily basis. But I remember when my daughter was about two years old, she'd gotten in trouble for something. And so I had to correct her and discipline her. And so I put my daughter in timeout and I told her, I said, now, Alexis, you're going to sit here and I'm going to come back in a few minutes. And when I come back, you need to say sorry to mommy. So I left her there and I went away. And about three or four minutes later, I came back and I said, Alexis, are you ready to say sorry to mommy? And my two-year-old daughter stood up, looked me in the face and said, nope, turned around and sat back down in timeout. <laughs> I'm serious. And I went, okay. You can stay there until you're ready to say you're sorry. So I went away and then I came back a few minutes later and I said, are you ready to say you're sorry yet? And she looked at me and said, no, turned around and sat back down. And I, at that moment, I realized this was going to be a battle. This was going to be a struggle and this was a battle I was going to win. So I left her there. So I went back and forth several times, back and forth, back and forth. It took me 45 minutes for my daughter to say she was sorry. And at that moment, I realized what type of personality I was going to be raising from that point forward in life. But do you ever feel like you're in a timeout? Do you ever feel like your attitude has placed you outside of God's purpose for your life and has separated you from where you're supposed to be? You see, fasting... When we begin to fast, it uncovers the attitudes that we're not aware of. It's a time that God begins to uncover things in our lives. And we begin to discover what God's intention is for us and what his plan and his purpose is for us. I love this quote that says, fasting is like spring cleaning for your body. It's like spring cleaning for your body. 
Now, anybody that's here that's done any type of deep cleaning or spring cleaning of your house, you know that when you go to start that process, you're going to run into some issues and you're going to run into things that you didn't quite expect to find. Because it's been a while since you've been in that cupboard or it's been a while since you've gone to that closet or you've looked at those baseboards really closely. And recently, this actually happened in the Musset household. So over Christmas break, I decided it was time for my children to thoroughly clean their rooms. You see, my kids, they clean their room every single week, but there is a difference between kid clean and mommy clean, if you understand what I'm saying. There's a difference between the two, and it was now time for mommy clean. So I sent them up to their rooms, and I said, okay, we're going to be cleaning your rooms today. So I sent them up, and after a while, I came up there, and I noticed that they were going to need further clarification on the definition of clean. And that clean did not mean put everything underneath the bed so it's out of sight or take everything that's off the floor and pile it on your dresser. It meant find a place for everything. So we started this process and we start cleaning the house and we start cleaning their rooms. And about an hour and a half later and a bag of trash later, the rooms were clean. And during that process, we discovered some interesting things. Like all of a sudden, there were all of these Legos and toys my son had no idea he still had because they had been hidden away in obscure places in his room. And in my daughter's room, we discovered six single socks that I'd been looking for for like five months in the laundry. And they were nowhere to be found because they went to the black hole of my daughter's room. You know, when we begin to do a deep clean... We begin to find things and uncover things. In the same way, when we fast, God begins to uncover the things in our heart and our life that have separated us from him. When we fast, it affects our attitude and it affects our alignment. It first affects our attitude because the verse says we humble ourselves. It affects our attitude and we start not wanting the things that we want anymore. We want the things of God. We want things from him. We want to be connected to him. But once we fix our attitude, we fix our alignment. Because the rest of that verse says, before our God. We submit ourselves before our God. And it's about his direction and his purpose for our life. And we come under submission of our Father. Because you see, attitude accelerates. Fasting accelerates attitude change. And fasting accelerates attitude change when we have a humble heart. The second thing that fasting does is fasting activates God's protection. It activates God's protection. Verse 21 says, I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. They asked God for a safe journey before they went because they knew the journey was going to be hard. Now, there is a long-standing joke in my family that probably none of you are aware of, but we call my dad the Jonah, Jonah of travel. The Jonah, he has the absolute worst experiences when he flies. The absolute worst. So when we fly with him, we get to experience these issues. So just to give you an understanding of what happens, um, the flight gets delayed, the plane breaks down, Um, one time he was sitting on a plane and the overhead bin above him broke, fell, and all the soot fell all over him. Now, it didn't happen to any other seat on the plane, just his. Um, Another time he was flying and 
he was actually on destination going to an airport. He was in the air. And then all of a sudden, a tornado dropped down on the, on the, airline, on the airport and was circling around the, the uh, fields where the, the planes land. And they were navigating around a tornado that was on the ground. I mean, if you can think of it, it's happened to my father. So anytime we travel, this, this becomes an issue. And so a couple of years ago, we were all traveling together as a family and we were actually returning back home from, to San Antonio. So we got up early that morning because we had one of the first flights out of the day, left the hotel, got to the airport, got through security, got to our gate, and we're sitting there and we're waiting. And then the plane pulls up to the gate, which is a good sign because it was on time. So we were hopeful. And we are sitting there and we see that the, the plane pull up to the jetway and we see all the passengers get off the plane and they're unloading and we're just waiting because they're going to they're gonna start boarding us next. And then all of a sudden, the airline employee comes on the intercom and says, I'm sorry, this plane is now broken. We can no longer fly the plane today. And we're going to have to reroute you to different connecting flights to get you to your final destination. And in unison, without anybody saying a word to each other, all at the same time, we look at my father because we know it's his fault. It's his fault. And we're all looking at him and him in his typical innocent look says, what? Why are you looking at me? And we know why we're looking at him. Now, needless to say, we got there. We got to San Antonio. It only took another seven hours to get there, but we got home. And by the way, as a side note, please keep my mother in prayer. She's flying with him tomorrow from Africa. And it's just going to take everybody in this room to make sure she gets there, okay? So keep her in prayer. But just as we want safe travels, we need to ask for a safe journey through life. We're supposed to ask God for a safe journey. Because you see, as we go through life, there's enemies that keep us from our destination. And there's different enemies that we encounter that take us off course or distract us. Maybe that enemy is cultural influences. Young adults, the culture wants to erase the boundary lines that God has put in place for your protection. Do not let the culture be your enemy on the journey. Maybe it's conflict in the marriage where you feel like you can't move forward and you guys can't advance. That is why in 2018, we as a church have determined we are here to build better families and stronger families because we know and we believe that God intends for you to finish the journey with your family intact. That is what God wants for us. The Bible says to ask for a safe journey. And when it says that in the Bible, right there in that verse, His protection encompasses everything. It's us, our children, and all of our possessions. We were not intended to lose our kids on the journey. They are supposed to make it with us. Now, moms, I know that you want your kids to be safe. You want that with everything that is within you. And each time our child becomes a little more independent and a little bit more on their own and they don't need us as much, our safety radar goes off. And we just want to protect them. I remember the first time 
my son crossed the street by himself as a little kid. And I remember standing on one side of the street watching him go and just wanting to walk with him, but knowing I couldn't. Or I remember the first time I dropped my kids off at school on their first day of kindergarten and watching them walk away and praying God's protection over them. And now two years away from my son being in middle school, and I'm already praying prayers of protection over him, that when he walks through those halls and when he goes through those classrooms, that God would protect him in his heart and put people in his, in his path that are positive. You see, we have to be spiritually proactive, and God activates his protection in our life. Ladies, we can and should be God's army of soldiers that stand out in front of our children. We are supposed to be out front and we're supposed to be fighting the battles for them. We are supposed to anticipate and not be behind the challenges that they're facing. And when you fast, it gives you spiritual radar. It lets you know when your kid made a friend that isn't a good influence. Or maybe when something isn't right in their life and you can tell something is bothering them, it gives you the discernment to ask the next question and find out what really is going on. We're supposed to ask for a safe journey. Ask for a safe journey through your degree. Ask for a safe journey through, your, through the parenting years with your kids and your teens. Ask for a safe journey when you're going through your present situation or your present challenge. And I think sometimes as we're going through the situation or the issue that we're experiencing, we start moving forward and we feel like God is with us and God is for us and we're there. And then something comes along the way and it's difficult or we get scared or we feel unsure and we begin to fight the thing that God is trying to take us through. Don't fight, flee, or fear. Fast your way through it. Fast your way through the issue. Fast your way through the challenge. Because God is there and he will protect you through it. First, fasting changes us. Second, fasting activates God's protection. And finally, fasting changes everything. Fasting changes everything. It says in verse 23... So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. And that's my favorite part. He answered our prayer. God wants to answer your prayer. God is a God that answers prayer. And fasting is a way that you push through the issue. Sometimes it's, it's frustrating being stuck. You feel like you get caught in a routine or a pattern or a situation, and before you know it, you end up far away from God or you feel like God is unavailable to you. And when you're stuck in your life, it feels monotonous, mundane, and mediocre. And the way to get unstuck is to increase your spiritual intensity. You increase your spiritual intensity by changing the habits of your spiritual life. And fasting is one of the, day, the ways that you increase your spiritual intensity. When my son Aiden was about two years old, um, he was hanging out with my parents. And they had been spending the day together. 
And they had come home, and they went to my parents' house and pulled in the car in the garage, got out, went inside, put all of their stuff out on the countertops, and they had actually been to the store. And so they went and had to go get groceries from the car. And so my son Aiden is standing there while they go back and forth, and they go get groceries, and they bring them in and drop them off. And then they go get groceries, and they bring them in and drop them off. And my son Aiden's standing there, and he's watching this interaction happen back and forth, back and forth. And one time when my parents walked out the door, the door to the garage closed, and my son Aiden walked up and just turned the deadbolt and locked them out of the house. I don't know why he did this. He had never never in his life touched a deadbolt. He had never dealt with the door before. And then all of a sudden, my son is inside the house. My parents are inside of the garage, locked, and the keys on the phone are on the countertop in the kitchen. And there's nothing to be done. So all of a sudden, my son realizes he's all alone and nobody is there with him. And he gets really nervous and he starts crying and he starts crying. And my dad is on the other side of the door. So he begins to talk to him. And he says, it's okay, Aiden. It's okay, buddy. I'm right here. I'm right here. So he starts trying to coach Aiden through the door to try to figure out how to unlock the door. And see, my son had never dealt with that before. He had never known how to, to lock a door or unlock a door. He didn't know how to do it. But he trusted the voice on the other side of the door because he knew the voice and he knew that voice loved him. So after several minutes, he was able to help him and coach him to unlock the door. And then Aiden was able to to gain access back to his papa. But how many times are we like that? How many times do we get stuck in a routine or a pattern? And before we know it, we're far away from God. And sometimes maybe a mistake or neglect in our life has slammed a door shut and now we are and god is unavailable to us or maybe life itself came and slammed the door shut on you and you have been separated from god and you're stuck see fasting allows us to hear the voice of god fasting allows you to hear the voice on the other side of that door when god is reaching out and trying to speak to you Fasting is what unlocks that door and gets you to the other side. So what open door have you been praying for? What open door have you been seeking God for? Is it for a career restart? Are you just needing something different? Or maybe it's for a marriage reset. You said, I can't move on and I can't do it anymore. And I believe there are people in this room that you've been praying for quite some time for God to open that door. You've been standing at a closed door for a while now. And you've been praying, and you've been praying, and you've been praying. And maybe that has been all of your prayer all of 2017. And you're in 18, and nothing has changed. You see, prayer changes things. But fasting and prayer changes everything. Fasting and prayer changes everything because it increases the intensity in which we seek after God. And there's things that happen when you fast that won't happen anywhere else. 
Because fasting changes everything. So tonight, we're going to practice fasting. I'm going to ask that everybody just put everything aside. This is a time we're going to dedicate to God. And we're going to focus on him because I believe he wants to speak to you. And at this time, I'd ask for everybody to stand. Put the cell phone away. Put the distractions away. Close your eyes and focus on God. Don't think about what you have to do tomorrow. Don't think about the things that have to get done when you get home. Clear your mind and begin to heart meditate on God. Listen to the voice on the other side of your closed door. What closed door have you had that you've been praying for God to open? Because he's here to speak to you tonight. And while you have your eyes closed and you're focusing, think about that. And I'm going to read Psalm 23 slowly. And as I read it, hear God speaking to you through the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever God I thank you for your people and I thank you for their desire to seek after you Lord and tonight we come before you and we determine in our heart that we want to change and we want something different and that only comes through an increased intensity of seeking after you God and I pray tonight as we have sought you, that you would begin to speak to people. Speak through that closed door. I pray that you would begin to open doors that they once thought were never going to open. And I pray, God, as we leave tonight, that we would determine in our heart that we're going to seek after you, we're going to continue to fast, and we're going to continue to pursue you because you have pursued us. I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for the desire for you. I pray that you bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. We wish the best for you. Go in God's love. You are dismissed.